Thank you, thank you, thank you. Too kind, too kind, far too kind. This is your boy, Rodney Perry. You're tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. It is Monday, Monday, Monday. It's 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, and it's April 28th. Thank you all for being a part of the show. We are definitely getting it in, as we always do. You guys are keeping us going, keeping us hyped, keeping us energized. Um, before we get going, i got to shout out um, uh, FICA, um, Females in Comedy Association and Convention. Uh, I had a great time with uh, Hope Flood and all the ladies from across the country, everywhere from New York City to, to you know, Houston, uh, Chicago represented, um, um, uh, the, the Bay Area. Uh, it, it was just comics from all over the country, males and females. Uh, uh, one thing Hope did this year, Hope Flood did this year, was she uh, allowed men to be a part of this, this convention and get uh, uh, some of this great information that they put out. So uh, shouts out to uh, the comedy convention. Had a great time. Thank you to Pittsburgh, California. You guys came out, sold out show, Pittsburgh, California. Rodney Perry, Daniel Dugar, um, uh, Mo Jones, uh, my man, Tommy Chun. Man, it was an epic, epic night, epic event. Thanks to Ernest and my man, um, Ernest and Rick Sullivan, for bringing us there and, and doing such a great, great show, great event. Uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, today is going to be an incredible show. Uh, we are celebrating the 20-year, that's right, 20-year anniversary of the film Inkwell. And you can't talk Inkwell without to the young man and put it all together, uh, the director, Mr. Matty Rich. We'll get a chance to chop it up with him in a few minutes. And uh, I'm excited about that. And, and also, I want to talk about the hot-button issue. It's in the news. Uh, Donald Sterling, uh, coach, I mean, uh, owner of the Clippers, uh, is on tape saying some uh, – uh, racial, uh, racially charged things. So I want to talk about it, man. I want to uh, open up the lines in the second half hour. Let's talk about Donald Sterling and, and all of that and, and see where we stand, black folks, see if we want to do something. You understand? This is your boy, Roddy Perry, doing the Roddy Perry Live. Um, uh, my, my tour schedule, you go on my website, RoddyPerry.com. Uh, um, I'll be in New York. Uh, May, I mean, yeah, May 6th, I'll be in New York. Uh, it got a Bounce TV event in New York, May 6th. It is open to the public. You can check that out. My improv class, the next class starts up May 13th. May 13th, you can be a part of it. And then I'll be in Hampton, Virginia for the Influence Hair Care event on the 17th of May, 17th May. And then the 19th, I'm playing golf. I only play golf once a year, and I do it with my man, William Wilson. It's a celebrity golf uh, tournament. And it's all about charity, so check that out. You can go to my website and get get a glimpse of all the rest of that stuff. Off the chain, we'll be touring. My show on Bounce TV will be touring this summer. Go to the website and see all the dates. We're coming into a city near you, Columbia, South Carolina, Charlotte, uh, Birmingham, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Nashville, Atlanta. Uh, we're coming to see you. So uh, this is your boy, Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. I can't wait to bring in my guests. You guys, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to my man, Mighty Rich. Y'all stay right there. This is Rodney Perry. Tune in to Rodney Perry Live. What's up, everybody around the world? Thanks for tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Remember to follow Rodney on Twitter, at Rodney Perry. And for all of your Rodney Perry updates, text Rodney Perry, with no spaces, to 41411. Again, to stay up to date, text Rodney Perry, with no spaces, to 41411. 
If you're looking for the latest in comedy, news, and entertainment, the only place to go is the Humor Meal. Check out the website, humormealmag.com. Humor Meal, the only place for comedy, news, and entertainment. I see you, Frank. Every morning is the same. We say hi to Mrs. Williams. We let everybody and their mama merge. And the one bright spot? McDonald's, where we get one of those sweet and creamy iced coffees. Enjoy. Thank you. Caramel, every day. Hazelnut? McCafe iced coffee. Vanilla, hazelnut, or caramel. The choice is yours. Tomorrow, we're going for a frappe. Who are you? The simple joy of surprising yourself. What up, y'all? It is your boy, Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. I get a chance. I, I say this all the time. If, if you listen to the show, you know one of the things I enjoy about having this show is I get to talk to people that I want to talk to. Like, I rarely interview people that, that are, that's like a chore for me. Like, I rarely interview, like, oh, I got to talk to this dude. It's always dynamic people. There's always friends of mine, the people that have become friends of mine, and uh, today is no different. I uh, get an opportunity to talk with the great Maddie Rich, and we're going to talk about this great film that he directed at age 21, no less. Uh, I had a chance to sit down with Maddie at his birthday this year, and uh, let me bring him on the line before I get going. Mr. Maddie Rich, welcome to the show, buddy. What's good, family? How you doing, brother? Man, you know, you know what's the trip, man. I'm, I'm doing my research. I thought I knew about the inkwell. I yeah. had no idea you were so young directing this film, man. Yeah, man. I, you know, I started, I mean, in the game early. I mean, I did Straight Outta Brooklyn. I started it when I was 17, and it came out in the theaters uh, when I was 19. So after that, you know, I came. From, I went from Brooklyn to Hollywood and got the opportunity to direct the Inkwell you know, Rodney, when when I got the script through my agents at the time, all the people around me were saying, don't make this movie. Because at the time, everybody was into all the hood movies. Right. And I, when I read this script, it was, it, was, it was something about it that was so magnetic, about a fun family story, a coming-of-age story about this young kid who was trying to find, he was growing growing up and becoming a, you know, from a, going from a boy to, you know, that, that teenager. And, right. Uh, and then his adventure with his family going to Martha's Vineyard, and then you get to see a different slice of African-American life. You know, you see African-American Democrats and African-American Republicans, but they're family, mm-hmm. you know. And, and through this young kid's eyes, you know, played by Lorenz Tate, uh, you know, you see that he felt he falls in love with his, his first Love was a character that was played by Jada Pinkett Smith, and when she breaks his heart, you know, uh, you know his world unravels, you know. Uh, right. But it, 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 but outside of that story, what really also just captivated me to the script was the other different characters of the aunts and the uncles, and you saw family. And you, and there's been people don't realize that. You know, African Americans have been going to Martha's Vineyard for centuries, man, for years. And wow. you you have a different slice of, you know, working class and upper middle class African Americans who go to the vineyard that that on vacation for the summers and they still do that to this day. Presidents go there. 
you know. Uh, and I never, I didn't, I didn't know how big the movie was going to be because so many people told me, "Don't do it," because it wasn't right. the 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 end movie, you know, the the genre rather. Uh, but when I, I I cast with all the different actors who wanted to be a part of it, it was a special moment. I was 21. We shot it in Wilmington, North Carolina, and it was. The, the, it was a fun experience working with all of these actors from, you know, A.J. Johnson and Joe Morton, uh, Glenn Turman, Morris Chestnut, Jada Pinkett, Suzanne Douglas, Vanessa Bell Calloway, Dwayne Martin. I mean, the yeah. list goes on and on, you know? So, man, man, you know to, this... to, read, to, read, to read some of the stories, though, like, I mean, this movie was the start of, like, a lot of great relationships. You know, yeah, it was. It, it was the first of its kind, uh, Ronnie. It was the first of its kind where when the movie came out, the, the, the studio the studio didn't quite know how to market it because nobody got shot, you know. <laughs> nobody got right. shot. Nobody was screaming, Mama, you know what I mean? You know, it was it was a different genre. And, and they thought that it was going to fail, to be honest with you, because wow. we weren't – you know, they didn't think that it would catch on. But I knew that this movie would catch on. I knew that there, even though I was born and raised, you know, in Brooklyn, you know, uh, by a single mom and Red Hook Projects. And so I understand that life, too. But this was another, this was the life that I wanted to have, you know, that I didn't have, this movie. Right, you know? right. So that's why I put I put my passion in it. And the actors saw that I was passionate, even though I was 21 uh, they didn't see me like that. They just saw me as a, a, a young director who had a vision, and, and, and they wanted to come along and fulfill my, my vision. So it was the first of of its kind. And, and after the Inkwell came out, you started to see the, the market, because Hollywood is all about market and trends. You started to right. see the trends grow. And you know, this year is the 20th anniversary, which I'm extremely proud of. Man, it's so awesome, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Roddy Perry. You're tuning in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to Mr. Matty Rich, uh, director of the film Inkwell. Uh, while they celebrate the 20th anniversary, i got to ask you this, though, man. Um, Lorenz Tate, playing the main character of this film, he's coming off of Minister Society, and then how did you, in, in, a, in an industry that mimics everything, how did you even see Drew in Odal? Funny. Uh, I, when I saw Menace, I had a special screening of Menace before I hit the theaters. So when I saw the old dog character, I mean, he was just magnetic. He was just vicious, you know, uh, with it. And and for someone who could embody a character like that, an actor who can do that, that's somebody that I want to work with as a director, you know. So when I met Lorenz for the first time, when he read for me, I was just like, that's the same guy who's in Menace? That, that's Old Dog. Wow. And when he transformed himself from Old Dog to Drew Tate, who was innocent, was a corky kid who was vulnerable, and I saw that in the audition. I said, this is the guy. For Look no further. I told the head of the studio, look no further. We found him. This is it. And, uh, wow. and that's how it began with Lorenz. You know? And uh, he, was, he was young himself. He, he, I think he just turned like eighteen. Right. Uh, wow. And 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 then J- Jada came along, and 
Jada and Lorenz, uh, Lorenz said that the, they or they rehearsed together because everybody wanted to 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 read. I mean, on my in my reading, I had some of the hottest actors from Bernie Mac who who read for me to uh, Jamie Foxx read for me. You know, really. I mean, I, I had some amazing actors who who I was so humbled that they wanted to come and and read for me. You know. Uh, made the, the the movie even more special when it came out. Man, you you had such an incredible cast. Joe Morton, who is like one of my favorite actors, bar none. I've always been a fan of Suzanne Douglas, Glenn yeah. Herman. With with the veterans that, that you had to direct, were were there any hiccups for you as a young man? I mean, you're 21 years old and you're asking these guys to make you know, character decisions, <laughs> like, how was that? You know, how, well, do, how do you go to Glenn Terminator, like, hey, Glenn, that was cool, but can you do it like this? <laughs> right? Right? No, I, I, I think it was, I, we didn't even have an issue, like, you know, it was it was sort of a, a, a thing where we had a, a table read, uh, uh, like a table read slash luncheon with all the actors in Wilmington, it was the first time that we all got together and, and 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 we read the script out loud and had lunch, and I think that they saw that I was serious about it. That you know, it, it was a drama, but then comedy in it too. So they knew that I was, you know, I, I like to laugh, I like comedy, and I think that they saw my vision. And then once you see a director's vision, and you know that, you know. You know, I, I want I would like the lines to be delivered like this, but then also understand that these are trained, strong actors, so their input matters to me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and once once they know uh, that, that your input matters, that it makes it makes my job and their job easier. And and when you're in tune with actors, I mean, the, we were all in tune with each other. They could tell when a take was good and when a take wasn't good. I don't come up to to actors. You know, in between takes and and just you know be all in their ear. It, it's a connection that a director has with with their actor, and I had it with that entire cast, where we knew when it was right. We knew when we had it when, when the laughs was there, when it was time for the dramatic beats. We just kind of knew, and I think that they respected kind of my journey before. Uh, Inkwell, they respected what I did on the independent level when I made Straight Out of Brooklyn, so I came into it with, you know, with a little experience on, as a director. Right. But this was this was going to be my first, you know, major studio film. So it was it was different than you know, independent movie. You're you know, I'm the writer, director, producer. I was mm-hmm. one of the actors in it. You know, I did craft service. I did all of that. You know. I know you but, play Larry. <laughs> yeah, I played Larry Love in that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had nobody, nobody else would play the uh, do the role, so I had to do it because I, I didn't have any, I didn't have any money to hire nobody. So I stepped in and played the character Larry Love, and and that was a fun experience. So, so I think the actors in the Inkwell, they 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 knew that you know I that I was open to every suggestion that they had, you know, and I wasn't a closed-minded director, and they respected that if I was. 21 or or 45, you know, that they they got it. They got it. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Maddie. Could a Maddie Rich happen now? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I think I think that it a lot of it is 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 number one God. Number two is timing, and, and number three is preparation. You know, you got to be ready for when that opportunity knocks. And, and I was ready. I was, I was, I've been as they, you know, the, the, they say you 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 you're born ready. I was born ready. So mm. it it was like people always say, how does a 19 year old guy make a 35 millimeter film? A major film. This is not a DVD movie. The Strata Brooklyn wasn't because I prepared. I prepared. I read books. I, I studied. I was. I'm a student of the Hollywood, the history, and 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 then you got to learn the trade. You got to learn what it is to direct and learn what it is to write. So when you get that opportunity, then you know you can really take it to the full potential. But if you're not ready, then there won't be another. Maddie Rich of this era, you know. But is there a young African American, Latino, uh, Asian young filmmaker who can uh, do the same thing I did? Absolutely. But if you prepare mm-hmm. for it, if you prepare, because that's what it's all about. Because I did it literally with just the help of, of my family. You know, there was no, you know, uh, what did they, they have these these. Uh, Investor things you can do online, you know, where people can invest and things like that. I literally right. did what I'm doing with you right now, Rodney. I went on a black radio station, and I talked to people and tell them I, I told them I had a short clip and I needed investors, and people showed up. Wow. So, you know, you just got to be inventive, inventive, inventive about how to achieve your goal if you want to make a, you know, a major film. But this now technology is so is, is so advanced, you know. You don't need to make a film on thirty five. They got high definition cameras, you know, right. red cameras, you know, that'll that'll do the job. Man, you, you know, um, I think with, with with technology, it has allowed people to get into the business that wouldn't have had the opportunity two decades ago. Um, yeah. Give Give me this, Maddie. What what was your training? Because I mean, to 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 be able to direct a movie at, at twenty one, I, I don't know if people really understand like the work you put in. And and a lot of us, I say this all the time: people want what you got without doing what you did. So t- tell them, tell my audience what you did previous to to Inkwell, previous to Straight Out of Brooklyn, that said to you that I can do this. Good question, bro. So what what I what I did was I started reading film books at a young age, man. I started going to the library in the neighborhood in Brooklyn and reading film books, begging my mom to buy me film books, and I and I learned just, you know, what it is, the inner workings of how to make a film. And I my my very first film was uh, it was a guide to independent filmmaking by this author who I met named Lenny Lipton. He's a famous, you know, uh, 3D uh, film uh, director and producer. So I, so I started to read, man. I started to read. Read was like reading was like my escape from all the stuff that was happening in the hood, you know. So, uh, so that was number one for me. And, and, and number two was when I enrolled in NYU. For their film uh, summer program, uh, 
that was kind of like my my awakening moment where the reading went to the actual actual physical okay this is I'm, I'm meeting with other film people inspiring filmmakers and one of my classmates was Malcolm Jamal Warner and he was oh, wow. learning film too he was on the Cosby show at the time and and uh me and Malcolm we bonded and my very fa- fir- first film project it was a class thesis and, and Malcolm and I we partnered up on this thing. It was, I didn't direct it though. He was the star. So right, I was right, just, right. I, I was you know, I was holding the mic, the boom at the time, you know. But uh you know, and that that was kind of like my my entree into wow, okay, I'm reading now, I'm seeing how this is done. And um and then once I stepped away from the, the, the NYU and I wanted to make this this film. Um, I literally wrote the script. I, I asked my mom and my sister, "Can I use their credit cards to get this off the ground?" You know, at first they were like, "Are you crazy?" Second thing they were like, "You know, let's help him. This is his dream." I had I had family support. You know, and once I started I started a, a, a limited partnership, and I was looking for investors. So that was the business side of it. So you can't make a movie without having the business side of okay, right. you got to have money. You got and that's where the investment starts. And um and then once I started to actual uh get the investors, I went I reached out and looked for actors at, you know, backstage the 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 art magazine, art newspaper in New York. I just put an ad in the paper for actors and people showed up. And I did the auditions in Harlem. And uh, and it was crazy. I had some really strong actors, and people wanted to work. They knew that there was no money. It was kind of, you know, this is just a dream, and if it takes off, then we'll see where it goes from there. And so that's how I just the, the, this how my steps came about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next thing you know, I had what ten minutes of film, and. Uh, well, no, I had like uh, I had about a half hour of film, or maybe almost an hour, uh, and and I was editing in uh, Manhattan, and I ran into one of the guys who were in the, was in the building. His name was Jonathan Demi. He's a director. So this guy mm-hmm. knocks on my door, and he's like, "Yo, who's Maddie Rich?" And I'm like, "Yo, I'm Maddie Rich. What do you want? You know, <laughs> just to, I'm just blowing them <laughs> off." Yeah. And the next thing you know. My editor's like, Maddie, you don't know who that is? I'm like, who? He says, dude, that's uh, he's doing Silence of the Lamb down the hallway. He's cutting. His Hilarious. He just went. I'm like, whoa. And so I went, you know, I, I, you know, next day, Rodney, I knocked on the dude's door, <laughs> bite him out to lunch, come back into my office, and uh, and, and John Demi saw my first cut of my movie, and he was like, wow. And uh, he introduced me to Ira Dirchman, who was a producer at the time. He went to run Fine Line Features, and Ira came on as a producer. And American Playhouse came on board, uh, and they, you know, got the TV rights, and then they entered me into Sundance, the film festival. Uh-huh. And then I won a special grand jury award at uh, at Sundance. I was nine, was almost yeah, just just turned nineteen then. So. So that's kind of like the steps of of what led me to making you know the inkwell is the preparation. Yeah, man, man, it's awesome. Such a such an amazing story, man. Uh, I know, I know this. You know, now you're like 
you're like cutting edge on technology. How how has technology affected your energy, your 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 industry? I mean, and um, how how has it affected your and how did, how has it affected your journey up to this point beyond um, beyond Inkwell? Well, yeah, technology is is where it's at for me. I mean, wow, about five years ago, I got an opportunity to go to Paris, France, to live and work in Paris, France, uh, from Ubisoft, uh, the CEO of Ubisoft, the game company, because they needed some help on a video game that they wanted to break into American market. So they hired me as the creative director and the art director of the entire video game team. This is my first experience, and it was a team of about 125 people uh, that I would oversee from Xbox to PlayStation online, and these were game developers, game designers, character designers, and I was the creative director of that team. And basically I just used my, my, my writing skills to write a story around a game engine, And not to get all super technical, but uh, we started to modify what the engine would look like uh, and feel like, you know, surrounding the story that I created. And um, and then I brought Lorenz Tate, my boy, on to be the voice of this this, the character in this uh, video game called One Eight Seven Ride or Die. And um, and then I just this was my my new journey was. Part of my new journey was was video games. I, I fell in love with this whole thing of uh, it's 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 like being a director in in a sense because right. the can this camera moves and storylines its characters um, and so I did that and did the the 3D cinematics in Hong Kong and then worked in Seoul Korea with animators on the project and the the game came out it did pretty well. And I started my own game company, Maddie Rich Games, and doing all kinds of stuff for uh, the mobile phone because that's the new distribution, you know. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's go that's that's where everybody, you know, wh- while you're waiting to get your car washed, you can play a game. People are, you know, the 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 new distribution and technology is what ladies keep in their purse and men guys keep, you know, in your pocket is that cell phone. Or that tablet, right. and so that's that's where it's at for me. Creating games uh, for the iOS, you know, Apple and Android, uh, and telling stories in, in in these formats, which you know, which is fun. And then recently, I uh, did a partnership with uh, Bear, you know, the pharmaceutical company. They own this company called ViviTouch. Out of Silicon Valley, I have a, a new line of gaming headphones that's going to be launched at the end of this year. They're called MRG headphones, and so they intensify when you're playing a game at the house. Uh, you know, they vibrate. They have some great 4D sound, um, but then you can also take them outside of the house and listen to music and that sort of stuff. Watch movies on them. Yeah. So yeah, so I got I'm looking. Little, I'm uh, looking at the. I'm about to ask you about your modeling career. I was. I, that was my next question. I was about to ask you about you crazy. your modeling career because I see you rocking the headphones. I see the MRG joints, the gold inlay. You know the 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 funky fresh wave pattern. I was like, Maddie is a model. What? 
Come on, bro. Look, like I said, man, this is like this is like straight out of Brooklyn, man. When you when when in Rome, do what the Romans do. You know, yeah. you ain't got no model, you do it. You know, you're the best salesperson for your product, man. So, you know, I man, took some man, pictures with I, the I'm headphones. I'm so excited, man. The, the 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 headphones are bananas. I didn't even know when when I found this when I found it on online and I did my research to talk with you. I'm like, Maddie been holding out. These headphones are sick. Yeah, man. Thank you, bro. Yeah, I'm excited about it, man. I'm excited about it. It's uh, it's just it's just it's just taking the the whole headphone genre to a whole nother level. You know, gamers. You know, being in the gaming community for like nine years nine years now, uh, gamers want to want to play games and 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 wear headphones and things like that. Not just in the house. They want to take them outside. And, and gamers yeah. want to look cool too, you know. And, and the gaming industry is a, is a very it's a multi billion dollar industry, and so this is my my entree into another section of the industry is the hard the, the hardware side, uh, uh, you know, with the MRG headphones. But then it's also cool for music, and then with with the technology, it's the the 4D sound is unlike anything else on the market. Man, it's crazy. You're doing it on so many levels, man. Uh, Essence um, uh, stopped and recognized the 20-year anniversary of the Inkwell, and so did we here on Rodney Perry Live. Man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. You, you got so much great things. Talk to, talk to me about this before we go. Um, I know you got another film in the works. Do you, yeah. do you miss, with, with all the other stuff you got going on, do you miss you know, that that thing, do you have the directing itch? Are we going to see Maddie Rich back behind the camera or even in front of the camera, you know? Uh, <laughs> I know the answer to this, but I want you to say it. Yeah, bro. I mean, yes, yes. I mean, I, I look forward to directing calling action again, man. You know, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm working on some film projects. In behind the behind the camera, in front of the camera, uh, it, it's 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 been a it's part of my journey, and and definitely I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to working with you, my dude, because you are just on fire yourself, man. You know I've I've been an admirer of yours, you know you're a friend. I invited you to my birthday party because you know it it was only it was just a dinner party, we just family and with you and your wife and uh just good people bro so i definitely yeah. i want to say this publicly that you know i definitely want to we we definitely got to put something together uh because i definitely want to work with you for sure man it, it's already a done deal it's just a matter of everything just lining up maddie but man dude i'm i'm, I'm such a fan i love your tenacity I love you. You know your your ability to reinvent yourself in a, in new spaces. I just think that's dope, man. And uh, I wanted my audience to get a chance to hear your story. So thanks for coming on, bro. Uh, you got it, bro. And holla at me. Hey, Inkwell. Can, can, we can still get that on DVD and stuff and all the platforms, can we? Yeah, I think it's it's on Netflix and all that at this point. Yeah, it's around and it it plays on Bounce TV all the time, right? Hey, Bounce, Bounce has been showing the Inkwell some love. That's, that's the last time I saw it. I, I saw it on Bounce, and uh, and uh, I talked to uh, the president over there, Ryan Glover, and he's like, that's one of my favorite movies. 
He said that was a uh, no-brainer for him. <laughs> so that's good, good bro. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. My, my man. All right, Mally. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming on. All right, thanks, brother. Hey, y'all. Uh, it's your boy, Roddy Perry. You're tuning in to Roddy Perry Live. That was my man, Matty Rich. The name of the film is Inkwell. It's celebrating their 20-year anniversary. All y'all on the line is holding. Thank you for calling in today. Now, I'm, I'm going to switch gears. Um, and, you know, it's been all over the news. I watched First Take this morning. Um, uh, the whole thing with the Clippers organization and um, and Donald Sterling's comments and all of this great stuff, man. Let, let's let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. I, I'm interested to know where we stand on this, and and um, and are we going to take a stand? And and are, is the stand that the Clippers took the other night enough? And you know, it, there's a lot of questions that, that arise uh, because of this. So let's talk about it. this. Is your boy Rodney Perry. You tune in to Rodney Perry Live. If you want to talk to me, give me a call seven one eight three zero five six three eight three seven one eight. Three zero five six three eight three. Um, if you want to talk, hit the one. Let me know. Hit the one. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. If you're looking for the latest in comedy, news, and entertainment, the only place to go is the Humor Meal. Check out the website, humormealmag.com. Humor Meal, the only place for comedy, news, and entertainment. I see you, Frank. Hey, y'all. Stay right there. We come back. More. Rodney Perry live. Fourth down, coach. What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. I want you to go on the field. Look for anyone with an O. Let's kill them. With kindness. Jimmy, I want you to make balloon animals. Tyler, make little tea cozy. Something fun. Are you okay? <laughs> we will win this for Mother Russia. Coach, eat a Snickers. Why is that you? You get a little loopy when you're hungry. Better. Better. Now let's go work! You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Every morning is the same. We say hi to Mrs. Williams. We let everybody and their mama merge. And the one bright spot? McDonald's, where we get one of those sweet and creamy iced coffees. Enjoy. Thank you. Caramel. Every day. Hazelnut? McCafe iced coffee. Vanilla, hazelnut, or caramel. The choice is yours. Tomorrow, we're going for a frappe. Who are you? The simple joy of surprising yourself. What up, y'all? It is your Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live, and we are back in full effect. I um, I wrote this post. Uh, I posted it on my Facebook the other day. I probably posted it on my blog on my website as well, so you guys can take a look at it. Um, it goes as follows. I've been working and traveling like crazy, so I'm just bringing myself up to speed on this Donald Sterling issue. It is always amazing to me how people are when rich white people show their real selves. I would venture to say that Sterling is not the only owner, NBA, NFL, etc., that holds some sort of racist views. Just look at the number of blacks in ownership in major sports. And if we're talking about the NBA, it's only one, and that's Michael Jordan. All right. This issue reminds me of the scene in Django when the two black men were fighting on the floor to the death as a slave master and his friends watched on. That scene, in my opinion, depicts today, today's professional athlete. They make millions, but the money made is relatively pennies compared to what the owners rake in. 
I think calling for Sterling to sell the Clippers would only be a Band-Aid on this issue. Until there are blacks in ownership, until we break into the good old boy club behind closed doors, these racist views will continue to be present. So the question is, am I on base? Am I wrong? Um, uh, or, or, or some counter views? Or, let me know. Um, are we being sensitive, black folks? Are we being too sensitive? You know, I don't know. So uh, I'm going to open up the lines, man. I want to talk to y'all. Y'all tell me what y'all think. Uh, let's go out west. You all riding Perry Live, California. Hello. Three two three. You don't want to talk? Okay, no problem. ATL, you just called in. You on Rodney Perry Live? Atlanta, Hello. Georgia. Hey, hey, how are you? This is JT. Huh? This is JT. JT, John Thomas calling in. JT. You you heard you heard about this whole issue with uh, Donald Sterling, and I know you are you 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 don't bite your tongue for nobody. So, what's your take on this? Um, did, did you did you hear uh, uh, my little speech before I brought you on? Uh, no, 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 no. But I did I did hear your comments on. Uh, I saw you post on Facebook. It's exactly. pretty much the same thing. It's pretty much the same thing of the image that we saw on uh, Django, actually. But exactly. Uh, I mean. It, it's it's just interesting. I, I think that um, I, I just I just don't want it to be another one of those Trayvon Martin things where we protest just for the moment. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, you know, during Trayvon Martin, oh, I'm not going to Florida. This and, that. and you know, all that kind of stuff dies down after a good, you know, month or so. So I like to call that those kind of. Uh, momentary action the, controlled the concern. knee jerk the knee jerk reaction to it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's called control concern. Like like media controls us and tells us what we should be concerned with, and then when it's time to move on, they'll let us know when we should move on to something else. So it, wow. So if you're gonna protest that, let's just stick to it and don't and, and let's not be so distracted by the the things that's coming up or that will come up in the near future, and this just be a blip in our, um, our our psychological justice system, if you will. Until and, and the, the next thing pops up. Uh, so, okay, uh, Stephen A. Smith brought up something on first take this morning I thought was interesting. Uh, <laughs> Stephen A. Smith said that, you know, um, Donald Sterling received the NAACP Lifetime Achievement Award, and he's about to oh. receive another one. <laughs> he was he was scheduled to receive another one in May. So, what what? How crazy is that? Well, you know all that all that kind of stuff is just politics. You know, you, that's money. That's all about money. money. Yeah, yeah, it's money involved with all that. But but Stephen A. also had a great point. I don't know if he said it or the coach from the Jets said it, but this is just a splash in a bucket from what Jackie Robinson dealt with every day. On and off right. the field, you know what I'm saying. So you just got to look at it like that, you know. So I mean, uh, it could be worse at the end of the day. So I mean that that's, that's yeah, but 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 it, this is this, I think what's most disheartening to people is that we are forty years removed 
from Jackie Robinson, 50 years removed from Jackie Robinson, yet you still have people with these same views. So I think it's always the wake-up call, like Trayvon, it's always the wake-up call when the security that we have begun to enjoy, the human security, like my children, right, my children don't know, you know, like how we grew up. Because they've had a certain amount of luxuries that maybe we didn't have. So because of that, is it wrong for my children not to understand that? Because as a parent, I, I think I'm doing a, I everything think, I can that they don't understand that. Yeah, I think I think it's a uh, it's, 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 it's it's a treasured oblivion <laughs> to to not know what you know. It, it's a progression. It's a progression. I, I think. I think. I think the mm. fact that your kids don't know, you know, I think the fact that your kids, you mentioned the fact that um, you tell them that Obama's black, and they're like, so what? Like, who cares? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I like the fact that it's not a big deal, you know? So, uh, it, you know, we're moving forward as a people, but, you know, it's still, you know, with the situation that happened this weekend, it's still, you know, there's still things that need to be done. You know, it's never going to be perfect, I don't think. You know, I, I, my, my main thing with the situation is don't pretend to care if you don't care, you know. Like, right. Don't don't be all up in arms just because this guy said he's going to coach at the Clippers game. I even heard people who've never been to California said they're never going to another Clippers game. <laughs> what is that? Hey, at least they're being honest. Hey, let me, let me ask you this, JT, because I, I, I know – I know you're a smart guy, so let me ask you this. So when when you think of a guy that's the owner of a team, what what can they really do? I mean, you can't make him sell his his team, can you? Uh, you know, I made a I made a I made a slick lyric about it. You know, he's probably somewhere saying I'm the owner of the Clippers, and ironically, you can't say it. <laughs> so. Oh, I he, that, he, yeah. probably, he probably just like, uh, I mean, but it's always somebody over you. So, I mean, I think I think the league can tell him to step down or, or shove him down or whatever. But that's another issue that, that you have to look at. Um, you know, we got to look in the mirror ourselves and, and, you know, our day-to-day jobs. Like, are you working for a servant and you don't know? You know, uh, a, a slave master. I mean, and, and and this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm like, I'm watching all the coverage. I watched Numbers Never Lie. They did a special show on it. I watched ESPN First Take. I watched HLN. They they stopped and they talked about it. Charles Barkley has been on all of the spots today. You know, putting his two city in. Michael Jordan weighed in, who never weighs in on anything. So, <laughs> so too, this is this is a big deal. And I think yeah. for for some people, it's like preservation of the NBA brand on some level. It's like, yo, this is not a good look for this brand. You know, it's business to some people. And to, to others, it's, it's, you know, I see people really, you know, I saw Carrie Champion, you know, the young lady from First Take, she was visibly shook this morning. Like, I was like, wow, she's really, like, I've never seen her this upset. And yeah. it just it just brings to light all of the um, those feelings that you thought were gone. I, I want to bring on yeah. I want to bring on somebody else. 
Uh, hang on, JT. Let's see what we got online. Uh, 301, I think that's the D.C. area. You're on Rodney Perry Live. Hey, Rodney. How you doing? I am from the D.C. area. What's up? Who is this? My name is Nikisha. How you doing, Lakeisha? I mean, we're talking about Donna Sterling. We're talking about the whole issue with, with you know, how the NBA is, is dealing with uh, his his uh, his remarks. Um, now, as of now, there's still, quote, unquote, alleged, alleged remarks. So, I mean, what's your take on it, I mean, as a woman? I mean, for him to have a, a, a staff of mostly blacks, right? The Clippers are, are mostly compiled of blacks, right, Ronnie? Yeah, exactly. Well, definitely the people we see on the court are black, mostly. Yeah, and, um, and, then and his coach. organization. I mean, he's got he's got Doc Rivers, you know, who I'm sure you know has Tyron Lue over there. You know, they got some. You know, they definitely got some black faces over there. I just, it's such a bold statement. It, it's a fine line between opinion and like he was giving an instruction. He said, "Don't bring black people to my game." That is just. Is, is really terrible. How can you even say that when you got those are the ones who you have working for you? It, but it's, it, I mean, it's, it's words at the end of the day. Now, 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 let, me, let, let me throw this out here. JT, I want you to listen mm-hmm. to this too. Now, mm-hmm. let me just play devil's advocate because yeah. if you really listen to the tirade, I'm sure he has some racial issues, but this was really a dude that was jealous. So does his jealousy, JT, does his, the fact that this guy was jealous of this woman and her dealing, I mean, are we again faced with the sexual prowess of the black man? Is that why this guy was so intimidated? Is that why he said, why you got, is he, was he really saying why you got pictures of a dude on your Instagram and it came out a black dude? <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much what it was. But, you know, it got so amplified during the argument that he was he his real true feelings came out. He was like, "Don't bring her, and don't bring magic, don't bring you know." So I mean, it just got amplified to that, you know. So, but it, it the initial thing was why you got all these dudes on my Instagram, on your Instagram, why you hugged up, this and that. You know, typical guy would say that, but but this this the thing that was most appalling. Hold on, JT. This is the thing that was most appalling to me is that, okay, 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 maybe he's a jealous guy, okay, but that doesn't dismiss what he said, right? So it doesn't dismiss mm-hmm. what he said. He did say what he said. So he does have some racial issues. He is probably a jealous-hearted guy. All right. So now how should he be dealt with? What do you think, sis? How should it be dealt with? I mean, you really can't tell anybody what to say. And he has power because he owns a team. But now he has put himself in a compromised position because Magic wants a team and they don't want him, you know, the, the players don't really want him on it no more. So he has, you know, they gave him the rope to hang his own self. I mean, he gave himself the, you know, the rope to hang himself. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, that's what happens. You have to be responsible for your, your actions. You, you said it. And he, well, he, he, he wants he a team. He bought the team for $15 million. He stands to sell a team. If he sold a team today, they say the team is worth upwards of $700 million. So he doesn't lose, does he? Mm-hmm. No, not with that investment right there. Not with that. Like, um, 
No. Mm-mm. I don't think so, Rodney. Well, Rodney, I want to tell you that I'm a big fan of your show. I think you're a funny dude. I've gone on YouTube and watched your stuff. I, I did want to tell you that, and uh, you were an inspiration. Oh, wow, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, uh, man, I, I can't thank you enough for calling in. Hang on the line. I'm going to come back to you because I, I love the woman's perspective. Um, hey, I got to go here. I know she's going to she gonna probably lose her mind. She's in the airport. Madeline. I know you hear me, Madeline. Come on now. She can't hear me. All right. Uh, uh, Bear in San Francisco, Bear, you on with Rodney Perry Live? Hi, Rodney. What up? Who is this? This is Crystal Michelle. What's up, sis? Now, tell me, tell me, what, tell me your thoughts on this whole thing. Um, you can't turn on the TV without being, without you know, being bombarded with this Donald Sterling thing. Uh, it's it's an, it's it affected the game last night. Although Golden State was probably gonna win anyway, but they they stumped a mud hole in the Clippers. Um, what's your take on this? What's your thoughts? Well, I haven't been following that, but I mean, my personal opinion is basically. He, you know how I always say he's a person, he's a man, and everybody got their own opinion, and and um, now we just know what he really feels. Basically, right. We, we just really know, I mean, you know, stuff comes full circle, and you be thinking one thing, and and then they show you who, you who they are, so now we just govern ourselves accordingly, you know. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Michael Jordan, Michael, go, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm finished. I just, you know, because I, I don't follow it like that, but, um, you know, people show you who they are. <laughs> right? You got to believe them. We've all heard that, that term. That, that's all yeah. I got to say about it. People show you uh, who they uh, are. So. Thank you so much for the call. Hey, uh, Michael Jordan uh, said this. Uh, I look at it from two perspectives as a current owner and former player. As an owner, I am obviously disgusted that my fellow team owner could hold such sickening and offensive views. I'm confident that Adam Silver would make a full investigation and take appropriate action quickly. As a former player, I am completely outraged. There's no room in the NBA or anywhere else for the kind of racism and hatred that Mr. Sterling allegedly expressed. In a league where the majority of players are and must not tolerate discrimination on any level. Now, I think when I when I read the comments from the players, you know what I see? I see a group of African Americans that really felt like they were they were above this. I mean, they're mil- they make it probably millions of dollars. They're you know the NBA. They're not even you know getting beat up and injured like a football player. So they have longer careers. They make great money. And so this is probably a major wake-up call for NBA player. What do you think, JT? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm sure, I'm sure you know, a basketball player or a baseball player will look at the, the, the Jackie Robinson movie and say, whoa, that's, that was tough back then. It ain't me, though. <laughs> you know, exactly, so it ain't me, though. Now, now it's at their front doorstep, and how do they deal with it? They just take their shirts off, put them on inside out, and put them on the front of the, on the center court, you know, which I think they could have did a better thing with protesting it, you know. But 
now everybody's looking at their owner, which, and, and, and at the end of the day, the, the, the owner of the Clippers is the, the only difference is he's the only owner that got recorded saying that. I'm sure it's more right, than wow. the owner that's, that's the same way, you know. Right. So these players know their owners and what kind of guy that they're dealing with, you know, and they, you know, it's just, it's just what it is, you know, so. Yeah, I, I hear you, man. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You come in to Roddy Perry Live. We talking about Donald Sterling and the whole Donald Sterling issue. Uh, you want to chime back in, uh, uh, San Francisco? Yeah. Hi, Roddy. Okay, I just was saying yeah. that. Okay, say you were his friend, and okay. you're black. Okay, so now that you know that, would you be his friend anymore? You know. You know. I mean, you know. You know we we had to deal with this. We we had that, to deal with a question. similar we had to deal with a similar issue in the comedy world when um when um Kramer went off on his racial tirade. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, granted, Kramer doesn't own anything, but it was really a situation that took a lot of people back. And I remember vividly being like like Yo, I'm cool with the show Seinfeld, and if Kramer's on this episode, I'm not white. I remember. Remember, like, taking that type of stand that JT talked about, that momentary, like, yo, uh, uh, this is my stand for the moment. But at the same time, I knew people that knew him. Like, I have friends. I'm like, man, who is this dude? They're like, Rodney, man, I know this guy. He's not that dude. And I'm like, you don't know him. Goes back to what you said. If this guy was my friend or I thought he was my friend, I would maybe have to evaluate it because, you know, you evaluate friendship by for what people do for you and how they treat you. So I would have to evaluate it, but he would have to explain to me what the fuck he meant. Like, he, he, he couldn't just be like, yo, man, my bad. He, couldn't, he would have to go, dog, I did not mean it the way it came out. You know, one, the drunk mind speaks sober thoughts. And two, people say stuff in privately that they would never say in public. So that's my next question I'm posing to the people that's calling in. Because this was recorded without his knowledge, is it is he in some way, you know, unfairly being scrutinized? Uh, let, let's put that back up there in D.C. You back on. What do you think? Brother, uh, that's a great question. And I say that, yeah, he is being somewhat unfairly scrutinized because think about this. Um, for the people who work, so your boss probably has certain views on some of you all and vice versa. So as long as they don't say it in front of you, before you, then I feel like, you know, it's just a little bit justifiable in that way. It's a difference, Ronnie, if he would have said that to all the players on the people who work for him. That's my stance. I don't know. I'm a little biased towards, like, because everybody plays the game. The game is, you know, knowing what and what not to say is etiquette. Right. Mm, that, that's so, interesting. I don't know. Uh, four and five, what do you think? What's your take on What do you think? I mean, is he being unfairly? He is saying it. He is, he is, is saying it to everybody. He's <laughs> public. He's, he's saying it to everybody. You know. I mean, but, but should, should, but, I, should I assume that my call is being recorded? You know what I mean? No, no. But basically, when something you feel is now public, that's how you feel about black people. No, 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 no. You, you're losing me. You lo- this is not what I, that's not what okay. I'm saying. 
I'm saying the okay. fact that let's say you're on the call with one of your girls. You and her having a, a candid conversation, or so you think. Then she take and put it on the internet. So mm-hmm. your views are your views, but that's you're sharing your views, your intimate views with somebody that you would not, you know, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have put that out normally. So the question is, is he being unfairly scrutinized for a, a, a statement that he would never have made publicly? No. no. Okay, that's all. That's all. That's fair. No. Okay, let me ask. Let me ask JT. Hold on, JT. Is he being unfairly what? scrutinized? Yeah. No, he's not unfairly being scrutinized. This is this is two thousand and uh, what fourteen? Like yeah. all bets are off with privacy. Like the way you found out about that wow. when you watched that when you watched that video of, of, of the situation of what he was saying in that hotel room or whatever, you saw two letters flash across the screen. TMZ. <laughs> so if TMZ was around like 15 years ago, you would have found more on it, you know, but it, it, it's all your, all your privacy is off, you know, the, the social, between social media and, and all these different TV shows that cater to social media, you guys just got to be careful with what you say. And he just wasn't careful. He wasn't mindful. And he's, he's old enough to the point to where I don't blame him for not being mindful of the social media because, you know, the older you get, the more out of touch you are with, you know, social media. I was shocked that he was saying Instagram so many times. <laughs> like, right. And the whole thing. So, I mean, no, he, he should, you, you should always anticipate something like that. So. Wow. Hey, well said, man. Hey, I got to thank all my guests for calling in. Thank you, JT, Donnie Van, um, uh, 415. What's your name again, sweetie? I'm sorry. This is Michelle or Crystal. You know, Crystal Flanders. Oh, hey, Crystal. I'm sorry. I'll be getting you all mixed up. Crystal, I'd rather get your number locked in. <laughs> Crystal Flanders, thanks for calling in, sis. As always, always great comments. Um, D.C., thank you for calling in, sis. What's your name again? Nikisha. Thanks, Rodney. Thank you so much for calling in, sis. I'm going to take one more call. I got about 15 seconds. 916, you on, Rodney Perry. Yeah, you got to do that shit. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. They be like, Rodney, can we talk to you at the, off the air? Oh, you want to talk to me off the air? Okay. You got to call back. I'm about to go off the air. Is that you? No. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, this is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. That's our show for today. You guys have been incredible. Um, let's keep paying attention to what happens with the story. And um, uh, let's say a prayer for, for all of those players and anybody that's, um, that's thinking like that. Let's change your mind. Stop. <laughs>